Happy New Year. 2016. Wow. Uh, my name's Tim, and uh, I get to serve on staff here, and I uh, do want to say welcome. Happy New Year to you. Um, we're going to dive right in this morning. So the first, I want to invite you now, uh, the first scripture we're going to look at is Matthew chapter 19. So if you want to follow along in your Bible, you can flip there. Matthew is to the right. It's after Malachi. It's before Mark. Jesus here is, uh, he's talking to his 12 apprentices, his 12 friends. And in 1928, he says this. Jesus said to them, Truly, I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. You catch that first phrase there? He, Jesus doesn't say, at the destruction of all things. Jesus doesn't say, when we escape this place and go to another place. He doesn't say, after you die and there's no further existence. He doesn't say, after you are absorbed into the cosmic all. He says, at the renewal of all things. At the renewal, when all things are renewed. Jesus here is giving a vision of the future to his 12 apprentices. I want to talk about this today. We've been in a teaching series uh, this, this Christmas season uh, called It's a Meaningful Life. And we've been kind of, the basic idea is we've been looking at the outline of what followers of Jesus believe. The outlines of Christian belief. And that when we, when we, when we enter into those, when we inhabit those, we indwell that set of beliefs that we actually find that all sorts of things in our lives fall into place, make sense, or find the meaning they're meant to have. And we've looked at six different ideas. The first one uh, we talked about was uh, first that, that this world was made for good. This world is not an accident. You are not an accident. Random chance does not explain your existence. God created us. This world is a good world, made for a good purpose. Secondly, we talked about something has gone wrong. There's now a shadow. Every one of us has a shadow side. I have a shadow side. You have a shadow side. And the spiritual fracture between us and God, it, it, it reverberates out in a thousand different directions, resulting in all sorts of dysfunction in this world that we feel acutely. Thirdly, we talked about that, that God does not desire to leave us in that place. That the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, God is doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves and rescuing us from our shadow side and its consequences. Fourth, we talked about that we can, we, we can live into that. We can accept that rescue from Jesus, from God. And it's not something, it's not that we work really hard and we're good enough and then God's happy with us. It's simply saying yes to him and then our lives become, our lives become a thank you letter to God. It's simply a life of gratitude to him. Fifthly, last week, we talked about that, that this life of walking with Jesus is not an individual pursuit. That it is, a, following Jesus is inherently communal. We do it together as part of a people. And then six today, we're going to talk about the end of the story, that uh, God gives us a vision of the end of history, and that when we, when we live into that vision, because 
when we live into the vision that God gives us, that all will be made well, that all will be renewed, that actually informs how we live today, here and now. How we think about tomorrow shapes how we live today. I want to invite you now, we're going to flip to Revelation 21. This is where we're going to spend most of our morning. Revelation is the last book of the Bible, way to the right, and 21 is the second to last chapter. So if you want to turn over there, when you think about, uh, when you hear about the book of Revelation, actually the title in Greek is Apocalypsis. Sounds like apocalypse, right? When you, when you hear Revelation or apocalypse, what comes to mind? Destruction. Somebody in first service said Godzilla. You know, kind of, you know, end of the world, end of the world destruction, right? You know, what? I, uh, the trailers before the movie Star Wars, every trailer, the world was ending over and over again. World, ah, oh, the world's ending. You know, I think kind of now and today we think apocalypse, end of the world destruction. Well, the word apocalypsis or revelation, it, that's, not, that's not its original meaning. It's original meaning. Apocalypsis has to do with seeing. Apocalypsis means to unveil to reveal, to show, to disclose. So the apocalypsis of Jesus the Messiah is about Jesus showing his people what is really real now and into tomorrow. It's seeing. And so throughout the book of Revelation, these verbs pop up if you read it. See, look, behold, I saw this, this visual imagery over and over again. It's about seeing. It reminds me, uh, the kind of the image that came to my mind when I was thinking about this, about how revelation helps us, you know, it's Jesus showing us something. This, uh, this past summer, I got to go uh, climb Mount Baker with the guys in my small group. I had a blast. Uh, you know, but whenever you start climbing the mountain, you start down in the forest, right? You're hiking through the forest, you know, people are putting rocks in your backpack, or maybe not you, with my friends. Um, there we are. You can see I'm excited about it right off the bat. I mean, I'm tired. It's about 100 yards in, if you know the trail, <laughs> literally. So uh, there we are, we're marching up. And then, but of course, you don't end up in the forest, right? The end, the end game is the summit. So we get to the top of Baker, and it was a, it was a, it was a clear day. We were really fortunate on the weather, uh, and just got to see for miles. We get, you know, down to the south, see Rainier. Look out west, you see Bellingham Bay. Look up north, see the Cascades around Vancouver. It's just, you could see. It was a vision. We could just see. And we, you can't see all the details, but you can see a long ways. The apocalypsis, the unveiling, the vision, the apocalypsis, the revelation, is the vision Jesus gives his people of what is really real now and into the future. And this vision, the vision from the mountaintop, guides us when we're walking down in the woods. So we're going to look here at this vision that Jesus gives his people um, of the end of history. Revelation 21. I'm going to start in verse 1, and we're just going to read through a chunk of the text here. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death. 
or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters and all liars, will be co-signed to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Apocalypsis, a vision that Jesus gives his people. And before we get into kind of unpacking uh, the vision that Jesus gives us, I just want to give us a moment to reflect this morning. What would you say, think to yourself, what is the vision of the future that you bring with you this morning? I think we, men and women, we think about the future as naturally as we breathe. Not necessarily the far future, but we, we regularly, we continually think about tomorrow. And how we think about tomorrow will always influence our today. So what vision of the future do you bring with you? When you think about your personal future, the end of your life, even what happens after death, what do you think about? When you think about where this world, this cosmos, where history is headed, how it all will end, what picture do you carry with you? Do you think we are, we are merely neurons, firing neurons, and when our brain activity ceases, we cease to exist? That's it, nothing more. And in fact, one day the sun itself will begin to exhaust its fuel. And if the earth isn't swallowed up when it becomes a red giant, then eventually the sun will go out and the earth will be just this cold ball. And actually after that, every star in the universe will exhaust its fuel. The night sky will go black. And this cosmos will just become one cold, dark, homogeneous soup of matter and energy. The end. Or do you think, no, there's got to be something more. And you have this, this vague hope that there'll be more after death. But it's just that. It's vague, wishful thinking that you hope something else to be true with no good reason to hold it. What is the vision of the future you bring with you this morning? I want to look at the vision that Jesus offers his people the mountaintop, the unveiling that he shows to us. The key verse in here, verse 5. Verse 5 says, He who is seated on the throne said, Look, see, behold, look at it. I am making everything new. I am making all things new. He doesn't say, Look. I am making all new things. I am replacing everything. He doesn't say that. He says, I am making all things new. There will not be a replica of dim in the new heavens and new earth. We, but we will be resurrected. We will be renewed, free from death 
and decay. In the new heavens and the new earth, all things will be made new, renewed. So I want to look at, look at the different ways that God will make all things new. And I want to look at three different kind of aspects of this that we see in the text here. One, he makes this place new. Two, he makes peace new. And three, he makes his presence felt new. So first, he makes this place new. Verse, uh, verse 21, or excuse me, chapter 21, verse 1. It starts off, he says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. And then it goes on, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. What, so, so the holy city, where God dwells, comes down to earth. And it says, I made a new earth. This, this place is being renewed. This place is being renewed. The, the Christian hope is not that we escape this place, that we become disembodied spirits and you're, and you're given a toga and a harp and we float in the clouds. And, and if that's not the Christian hope. The Christian hope is resurrected bodies. We look at Jesus, this resurrected body. He was able to eat meals. He was able to sit by a campfire. And that God says, I am making this place new, a new earth. It's not to escape. It's renewal here. It's a physical existence, free from death and decay. When I think about this, uh, what comes to mind is the mantis shrimp. You're laughing because you were thinking this yourself. The human eye has three color cones, red, blue, and green. Everything you see comes from those three color cones. Combination. All your friends' faces, sunsets, mountains, movies, everything. Combination of those three color cones. Dogs have two, blue and green. Thankful we're not dogs. Butterflies have five. The mantis shrimp living in the warm waters of the Caribbean has 16 color cones. It can see ultraviolet light. It can see polarized light. It can see circularly polarized light. I don't even know what that is. I, don't. I had to practice saying circularly. It's a very difficult word. I mean, can you imagine? What does it even? I don't know. Well, will it, when we have resurrected bodies, we live in this new heavens and new earth. Heaven comes down to earth. What will it be like? No more laundry. <laughs> what? Yeah, what kind, of, what kind of art will we create? What kind of science will we do? What kind of sports will we play? What kind of adventures? What kind of mountain climb will we do? What kind of exploring will we do? What kind of science will we investigate? What will it be like? I know it will be, it will be resurrected, embodied existence. I believe our wildest dreams scratch the surface of it. And Jesus comes to his people and says, this is the unveiling. Look, see, hold this vision before you. I'm making this place new. I think too often, followers of Jesus, we have weak and uninspiring visions of the future. Scripture says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived of what God has in store for those who love him. So in 2016, this next year, when you see boredom, when you feel apathy, 
when you experience discouragement, may you look and see that he will make this place new. So first, he's making all things new. He's making this place new. Second, he's making all things new. He's making peace new. In this section of scripture, the idea that God is making peace or shalom or well-being or right relatedness new, I think it comes as much from what we don't see there as what we do see there. Do you notice in verse 1 what is absent? Can Can we go to verse 1 there? There we go. What's absent? It's the last phrase. There's no sea. There's no ocean, right? God doesn't like seasickness. Jesus said, I spent enough time in a fishing boat. We're getting out. No. No. Okay, in Hebrew scriptures, what does sea, what does the sea represent? Chaos. That's right. So think, uh, think this, you know, first chapter of Genesis, Noah's flood. Chaos breaks out over the world. God brings Noah, his family, and these creatures safely through it to the other side. The story of Exodus, God's bringing his people out of slavery in Egypt, taking them, taking them to freedom, and he takes them through the Red Sea, takes them through the waters of chaos into safety and freedom. The, sto- the stories of Jesus, Jesus is out on the Sea of Galilee, there's a storm, Ca- the chaotic waters, Jesus is able to still them with one word, be still, and smooth as a sidewalk. The sea represents chaos. So when, when Jesus says there's no sea, there's no more chaos. Outside of us, in our bodies, there's no more chaos. There's no chaos. What else is not there? Uh, verse 4. He says there's no more tears. There's no more death. There's no more mourning. There's no more crying. There's no more pain. Death itself will die and be no more. And then finally, verse 8. He goes on, uh, Jesus shows us this vision that all these anti-kingdom characteristics, all these anti-God characteristics of duplicity and deceit and betrayal and rage and revenge and hatred and lust, treating people like objects and using them, all those things, all those things that tear at our lives, those things where we experience our deepest hurts, those characteristics are no more. God says no to them. There will be peace and well-being, and right relatedness. In 2016, in 2016, when you experience, you experience moments of, of depression or despair, moments of violence, when you, you experience moments of, of just deep discouragement or being hurt by others, I would... I would pray that the vision that you would hold before you is this vision where where God says, look, look at my heart for this world. I will make peace, well-being, right relatedness complete throughout the cosmos. I mean, don't our hearts long for that? Hebrew scripture says that God has put eternity in the hearts of men and women. Our hearts don't long for the dystopia of Mad Max. Our hearts long for what Tolkien wrote about at the end of Return of the King. The gray rain curtain turned all to silver glass and was rolled back. And he beheld white shores and beyond them a far green country under a swift sunrise. Look, he is making peace new for all things. He's making this place new. He's making peace new. And then thirdly, he's making his presence felt new for all things. 
Look at verse 3. It says, Then I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. He, that's been the trajectory of Scripture all along. That's always been God's endgame, to get down to be with his people. It's not, and God took the people up to be with him. It's God has come to dwell with the people. That's always been where he's headed. The verb there is skeno'o. It means to, to, to dwell or to tent or tabernacle. To tent amongst his people it occurs one other time in the New Testament. In John chapter 1, referring to Jesus, the Son of God, coming and tenting or tabernacling or dwelling amongst humans within history. Jesus came to dwell amongst us. And that image of God tenting or tabernacling amongst people, that is actually pulling on earlier imagery from the time of the Exodus. When God took his people out of slavery in Egypt, they went into the desert. God gave Moses instructions. God says, Moses, I want to dwell amongst my people. Will you build me a tent, a tabernacle so I can dwell amongst them? God came in and dwelt the tent amongst his people. And that tent, when they moved into the promised land, was replaced with a permanent building called the temple. Now the temple, this temple where God dwelt amongst his people, because that was what God always wanted to get down amongst the people, that temple had an inner room, an inner sanctuary. Hang with me here. This is going to come back around. An inner sanctuary called the Holy of Holies. And this inner room was, was where the, uh, the Hebrew people believed God's presence was most, God was most fully present in the cosmos, the Holy of Holies. Now 1 Kings 6.20 describes the physical uh, inner sanctuary or holy or holies and describes it listen to this first Kings 6 20 the inner sanctuary holy of holies where god was most fully present in, within the temple was 20 cubits long 20 wide and 20 high okay those of you who have taken geometry what shape is this cube only cube in the bible until Revelation 21. Skip down a little past where we read. Skip down to verse 16. It's describing this heavenly city where God is dwelling with his people come down to earth. And it says, verse 16, the city was laid out like a square as long as it was wide. He measured the city with a rod and found it to be 12,000 stadia in length and as wide and high as it is long. What shape is that? A cube. Now, if you watched much Star Trek growing up, you may be worried that we'll be living in the Borg. <laughs> Fortunately, the vision Jesus gives his people does not reference Star Trek, but it does reference the Hebrew scriptures. What is Jesus trying to reveal about what this, when heaven comes down to earth, what he's trying to, what's he trying to tell us about that? It will be the holy of holies everywhere. God will be most fully present. He will fill this place like wine filling a cup. This, this place is always meant, it's always been designed to be filled with his presence. God's end game was always to come down to earth to dwell with us. And if this doesn't excite us, we need to catch a new vision of God. God is the source of goodness and beauty and joy and truth. His beauty will fill this place. In 2016, when your vision gets clouded with boredom or apathy, 
for discouragement. I pray that you would hold on to this vision Jesus offers his people. When your vision in 2016 gets clouded by disenchantment, when you feel God's silence, when you sense his absence and you long for him, I pray that you would come back to this vision that Jesus offers his people, that his heart is to fill this place with his intimate presence, his beauty. This would be the vision that inspires us, that shapes our vision of tomorrow, that shapes our today. I'm going to end with this question. What vision of the future will shape your life in 2016? I believe we think about the future as naturally as we breathe. Oftentimes the near future, sometimes the far future. That's how we think. And I believe our, our vision of tomorrow always shapes how we live today. What vision of the future will shape your life in 2016? Will it be a fearful one? Will it be a, a one without hope? That one day our neurons will stop firing and that'll be it? This world will just end up grinding to a slow halt eventually? Will your vision be one kind of vague, wishful thinking? I hope it won't be like, I hope there'll be something more. Jesus offers a vision, an apocalypsis, a revealing that has sustained his people for millennia. And it's a vision based on the faithful character of God as proven in human history. It's a vision based on the one who gives the vision, Jesus, is one whose resurrection occurred in history. The one who he himself has been brought through out the other side of death. He is the one that we trust in for this vision of tomorrow. And this vision that he will make all things new. His place new. Peace new. His presence felt anew. Or as the medieval mystic Julian of Norwich said, all shall be well, and all shall be well, and all manner of thing shall be well. Let's pray. Jesus, we recognize that you are um, the same one who was crucified and resurrected, the same one who gave uh, the author of Revelation this vision, is present here this morning by your spirit. And uh, Jesus, I confess, uh, we confess that often there are all sorts of competing visions that we, um, we buy into, we live out of, that guide our life. Um, visions of, uh, of autonomy, visions uh, despairing, hopeless visions, uh, visions of revenge, visions of, of not trusting, of, of trying to take control of everything ourselves. And, Jesus, I would ask uh, that you this morning, you'd speak to us. You'd speak to my heart. You'd speak to uh, every uh, 
heart of every man and woman in this room, the words that we personally need to hear. Um, would you give us uh, the, the, the insight and the wisdom to lay those other visions down and to trust you, to trust this vision that you gave, this vision of hope, of renewal, of all being made right. Uh, speak into our lives this morning. We pray by your spirit. Amen.